Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Binge Town TV. Today, we're here with Luke, me, Kathleen, Jimmy, and not Paul, even though we teased that he was going to be here. Shout out to Paul, who accidentally watched episodes four and five without having seen one, two, and three, <laughs> thinking they were <laughs> one and two. So um, he's actually ahead of us somehow without having seen the first three episodes. But today, we're doing episode three titled Murder in the Rue Morgue and episode four titled The Black Cat. Okay. So we're hot off the la- the first two episodes. We were electrified. I'm dying to hear how you both feel after watching three and four. I, for one, I'm loving it. My only concern is that I'm sad that like Camille and Leo went in this episode. Spoiler alert. If you didn't watch, go watch. But um, well, they, wa- like, they better I'm- watch. They're listening. I need them to be <laughs> in the in the future episodes yeah. like i don't want them to be in the next six that's my only quarrel with it so far um but what do you guys think uh, i can just start just because i was going to reiterate what you just put out there like i'm sad man they t- these are these were probably my two favorite characters is camille yep. and leo yeah uh leo was just a joy because i thought i was waiting for the other shoe to drop about him being more like corrupt and one percent but he really wasn't like he was like the he was the best person I I would say like the one you would want to like hang out with kind of he was had a drug problem but he wasn't like a mean person so I was really sad that we're on the other side of it because I doubt it we haven't gotten more Perry yet so we're not gonna I would assume we're not really gonna get these two characters again and that might be the sad taint to the show because like we're going through these episodes and you can kind of pick out who's going to die as it's happening, which I'm not going to use the word predictable because it's by design, but it does make me sad. Cause I feel like next episode we're going to lose probably Vic. And then it's, pro- I would assume Freddie's going to be last. Cause he seems like the one that's got the most going on, but either way, it's just we have like, that confirmation. Oh, we do. We know he's last. Yeah. 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 Right, okay. the oh, yeah, yeah, duh, when they duh, died. Duh, duh, so it's Camille, duh. Leo, Vic, Vic's next, then Tamerlane, then Freddie. It's like in order of their age, I think. And we got confirmation just by the way, to correct us from last episode. It is Freddie and Tamerlane who aren't the right. bastards. The rest of them are the bastards. We weren't sure if it was Camille or Tamerlane because they called Camille an heiress. But um, you never know. Maybe her mom was someone rich, too, because she has a different last mm-hmm. name. You don't know. Because yeah. another, not to jump, I'm sorry, James, I want to hear what you have to say about this episode. But another confirmation we got is that half the kids didn't even know they were an usher until they were, or at least didn't meet Roddy until they were 18, 16, 20, things like that. So that was interesting. I did not, I didn't think that was going to be the case, but it is. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if there's a story of how they all started coming together. Maybe that was pushed by Verna as well. But Overall, great two episodes. I liked that episode three felt a little bit more. I I thought there were more moments where I was scared. And I really think it comes down to Hot Mama because everything she's doing, like when she just plays innocent characters, they're doing something with her eyes that are freaking me the fuck out. Is that? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you guys are seeing that too, but she's so creepy when it's when she starts to turn from just random NPC into she's there for a reason and talking to their soul kind of moments. And it's always like, I, I don't know. She creeps me out in the best way. So I'm really happy that the creep factor has gone up. Uh, but yeah, overall, two great episodes. Ready to talk about them. Yeah, I agree. Two great episodes. I think that they're still on the rise. I think that there hasn't been any fall in the um, the quality of the two episodes. I agree with you guys 100%. I was actually going to say, let's just do a MVP or LVP actor performances just because there's so many, but certain ones I know we would just pick and 
we don't have to do it because I feel like Kate Siegel and Raul Coley would be one and two for us. And then Roddy probably on there. So, you know, that's the spoiler alert for what we would probably pick, but yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame that those two are gone. And I think to Miller is great. I think Henry Thomas is great. And, and, and uh, Samantha Sloyan, right? Is that how you say it, Kathleen? Sloyan. 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 I think she's great as well. They're all awesome, but Raul Coley and Kate Siegel, we're just shining as mm-hmm. their characters, and it is a shame that they're gone already. Maybe we'll get some flashbacks. I wish they could like split it up somehow and make like Raul Coley's a little bit later, so we don't get we got both of them dead in in our two episodes that we have to cover now. But otherwise, you know, I'm sure the other actors and characters will step it up, and it'll just be very, very interesting. I think freaking Willis Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald. I hope we get more of her. Continue yeah. to get that timeline because she is phenomenal as maddie and i think qb1 matt saracen zach guilford's doing great too uh what you said luke about the the horror stuff it has pushed it up a little bit it has raised the quality of the horror but yeah let's just get let's just get started i will just follow that up by saying um you're naming all the actors names i think they're not giving us enough victorine we haven't had any background of her everyone else kind of has home life except victorine which is weird because even Tamerlane, like we get her like weird kink, bring a third home and watch type thing. Cucking is what we <laughs> were saying. <laughs> Victorine's the only one that we've we've only seen her in like the place of work. We haven't really seen her anywhere else, which is interesting. So I'm waiting for her chance to shine still, I think. Um, but I'm, I'm going to start this episode and I'm going to pose a question. Lenore. OK, so in episodes one, two and four. She's calling and calling Roderick. And I don't think we've really mentioned this. We didn't mention it last episode. But once she called again in episode four, I'm like, is she going to have something bigger to do with this? Like, why is she calling and calling? I know she's like one of the few people still alive. Have you guys had any theories surrounding this at all with Lenore? Because I've I've been trying to think. I don't have anything yet, but it's like something I'm keeping in the front of my mind at all times. Oh, this is going to be a last 10 minutes of the finale reveal. Like this is going to be one of the most like important reveals along with, which I was right about the, the basement Maddie being a thing when he says yeah. she's in the basement, that's going to be all of the things with, with Augie are going to be that last minute reveal. I can't imagine what it is. Cause we have seen her in modern day with all the kids dead when she was in the church and she was seeing how crazy her grandfather was when he was looking at the, de- at the ghosts and she's not seeing him either. So there's definitely, this is going to be the, the reveal, I think, that ties everything together is kind of where I'm at. Mm. Don't have any guesses, though. I don't know about you, Jimmy. I was just going to say, my thought is, is she going to be like having the disease as a young version of Roddy? You know, we know now that it has something to do with genetics. It's the mother had it. We have a little bit more of answers for the mom and her kind of sickness that she had. And then the scene with Roddy and Maddie, where he reveals that mom had this disease does the daughter or does the granddaughter have it as is a young person? I mean, that's the only thing I could think of right now. I mean, she's not an informant. She's too young. Like, I mean, they were uploading Lenore's consciousness, which is interesting. You know what I mean? Like if she was sick and they were taking all of her data and like trying to make like a fucking like dupe of her or something, you know what I mean? Like that kind of makes okay, that so, kind of goes together. So she's dying from the disease and that's why she's the test subject for the AI live forever thing. That's cool. Maybe, maybe. But if that's the case, is it not Maddie's subconscious that they would be putting into her? 
like sort of like a Westworld vibe thing going here because it seems to be like they're not doing it for legacy. They're she's doing it for herself, Madeline. I could see that. I mean, I feel like she's in the basement. I don't. I don't know how it all connects. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is Lenore test subject? I mean, if you do it for Maddie, you're gonna have to test it on someone, right? So we know that they use test subjects. They they'll use anybody as a test subject. And I don't know if we want to get into Maddie in the basement or not at this point, because I know we're just jumping around all over the place, but I don't, I mean, I don't think it's really Maddie just like alive in the basement hanging out. Oh, no way. I mean, I will say this is the first time in that little house, you know, their, their childhood home. It's the first time that Augie has been sitting with Roddy and heard anything that's out of the normal because everything that Roddy's heard or seen has been hallucination of his Mm -hmm. dead children or his mom. But then the noise in the basement, Augie did say, you know, what what is that? And then they have they discussed Maddie again. So there's something down there. You know, you can just make up a million theories yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I don't think we need to waste time on it. But and I guess hopefully we do find out a little bit more in the next two eps. OK, so getting into the episode, we open at the gruesome scene from Perry's party. And of course, the Pim Reaper is doing a sweep, uh, mostly for cameras, I assume. But he's also just trying to get a lay of the land, see what happens, see what he can, you know, cover up, what he has to cover up. He sees the mask, he steals the phone, and there's one survivor, which is Freddie's wife. And I asked last episode, I was like, did Freddie's wife get out? And I feel like you both said yes. Yeah, I didn't think she got out and she didn't, man. When, when oh my God, when Freddie later is like, yeah, well, you know, she's melted. So <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> Oh, it sucks so bad. Like, I would rather be dead. Just kill me if all my skin's melted off. No way. It's weird. Like, I, we have the scene where Verna goes up behind her and says, get out, pretty much. And, I mean, maybe it's just a warning and she didn't take the warning. And then she stayed and then got burned up. But, yeah, I was expecting her to be not in that predicament. But it's very much more interesting that she was. And having to deal with the storyline with Frederick right now being a little hilarious trying to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. but yeah that jump scare from the wife got me so badly like i the fact that i took a note about it i remember like i was freaking out about it and yeah like i guess she didn't get out but i don't understand the point of having verna go walk up to her and tell her to leave don't know how that connects i guess it's because she doesn't have the usher blood but why was she the one that lives was that also divine intervention from the devil like who knows I thought, yeah, one, she's an innocent, just like the the wait staff was. And then two, I think she gave her a chance to leave. And I think she wanted to fuck. And she chose yeah. that instead. Like, I truly think that's because in that moment, that's why I was confused, because she tells her. But then she doesn't walk towards the door. She walks towards Perry, which mm. I was like, hmm, wait a second. I mean, that leads us perfectly. So Roderick and his squad Put the poison in the tanks. We see him telling Augie that it wasn't supposed to be there. You see him later yelling at Frederick, being like, you were supposed to get rid of that. What the hell? Basically, the shit was so poisonous. They hid it in there. And then they were like, all right, well, we got to hide. We got to get rid of it. But we have to hide it behind the demolition. But then the demolition took too long and all this stuff. And if Perry just fucking listened in one meeting, you would know. <laughs> yeah, right. That that shit was poison. So the next thing that happens is the is the. The business meeting, right? Like in the boardroom with the whole family. Yeah. And I brought this up last episode, but now I can't get it out of my head. I just get succession every time I see these <laughs> things happen, especially this scene, because they talk about what happened with, with Morella. Is that her name? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, they talk about her. 
And then Camille just goes into the best pitch of like what the PR plan should be. And I was just sitting there in awe. Like those are the type of scene deliveries that just Flanagan knows how to write, man. And he just lets his actors hit the strong suits. And of course, she's one of the best in the show. And the whole thing ends with Maddie going, okay, you're up. Like she she bought the idea, this whole scene. And then we get another one in the next episode. We'll talk about it when we get there. But I really like seeing the family together and like have this succession-like dynamics because it's really just fun to just see them. This is where their personalities come out. You really get to feel a feel for what kind of people they are. Um, and then Leo even shined a little bit in this scene too, being empathetic so yeah so like this whole thing is it's just good to to really get to know the characters more it's really nice to see one specifically leo freaking about camille's death in four but freddie being the only one that's really actually upset it does bring the empathy to his character like you know luke was saying in the beginning how leo seems like the the best one of them and it's because he he actually cares like i think that cemented it for me at least it's like oh he actually cares about one of his siblings but it mm-hmm. does make sense that these people may not have met each other until they were fully adult so that it makes sense why they don't give a shit about each other right that kind of puts it in perspective for me because if they all grew up with each other i'm like these people are assholes but if you have to like earn your parents love and then all of a sudden there's new fucking kids every every year <laughs> It's like, all right, well, I love when they talk about like cracking the will into another piece or or something like that. It's it's it is very succession. Luke, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think that when it came to those kind of monologues, just the the lemon monologue by Roddy later is just amazing, too. Mm -hmm. Incredible. I'm just going to say one last thing about the tapes is that they see Verna in the tapes with the mask on. Mm -hmm. And then the waitstaff does remember like that she had whispered something to them, but they can't quite remember. So it's almost like everything is covered up. Like Verna covers her tracks pretty well. It's all just like in this like mystical, like magic-y type thing, Um, which I mean, Verna is all over the place uh, in these two episodes. She is working overtime, so she's going to keep popping up in all different um, disguises and stuff. But Obviously, I I can't wait to talk about in four when they both Madeline and Roddy recognize her uh, from being the security guard. That's that's good stuff. And this is directly for Kathleen. Are you just I can't get Jimmy's devil thing out of my head. Like that's the I'm watching it like that's a fact. Okay, so Mm -hmm. as long as like that's that's the lens (laughs) I'm looking at everything through Um, and it just feels so like that's the answer. Like that doesn't even need to be a twist reveal because you just be like that is what it is. Um, but it's funny because Flanagan's being so mysterious with what each other can see, right? Like the cat at the end, it doesn't feel in yeah. episode four, like it doesn't feel like Jules could see the cat or mm-hmm. or Verna, but then they're all seeing Verna on this on the video screens. Like he's being very particular about what he's doing. So I'm sure that this is gonna really add to the rewatch. Like once we're finished, we have all the reveals, you'll be able to go back mm-hmm. and see why he made the decisions because I can't figure out what's real and what's not. And do all of these kids have the diseases or everything we're seeing like hallucinations but at the same time we see injuries it's like a very delicate mixture of both hallucinations and real and it's really making it fun to guess what the hell's going on but it's all grounded in the fact that hot mama is the devil and that's how everything is for me in this show right now agreed hot mom is the devil (laughs) (laughs) i was i was really surprised that we caught her on the security cam that was not something that i would guess i really didn't think that they would be able to say, look, there she is. 
My only theory is that she can pick and choose when you see her and when you don't see her, and she wants there to be breadcrumbs to the for the moment where he looks, he meaning Roddy and Madeline look at the security cam footage and go, "Oh shit!" Yeah, you know. So I feel like when she wants to be invisible, she is. If she wants to be hallucination, she is. And when she's just in person, yeah, I I was very surprised that they said, "Look, there she is on the camera." Like, there's the lady with the skull, with the hot bod and the and the red cloak. You know, I really wasn't expecting that. And then again, of course, the security cam, the security guard. I wasn't expecting that either. So but yeah, I I took every single thing from Leo's Napoleon's scenes as no one else could see. Every Mm -hmm. single time the cat jumps out, it was never there. Jules never sees it. Frederick never sees it. It still scratches him up, but. There's no, you know, and then, of course, we get the reveal when there's the holes in the wall and he's saying, you don't see that. We know that that's not seen. And so I guess she's just like she can pick and choose. I think it's the breadcrumb thing. I think she wants to be seen certain times. Quick few things we get from Camille's assistants that Victorine's livestock count is down. The assistants are really digging into all the workers at Victorine's place and getting the tea. Basically, there's animals missing. They're lying about surviving monkeys, right? They're replacing hard things. They're shaving the chest to make it seem like these monkeys survived when they didn't. So next, Verna bumps into Victorine, and she's old and has a twang. (laughs) She also has the perfect heart issue, as Verna would. Um, So you know where this is going. Like, immediately, as soon as you meet old Verna with this twang and the heart thing, you know exactly like, okay, she's going to be used for the heart trial, which we see later for the human trials. I mean, anything about that? Just so damn sly, man. Just she inserts (laughs) herself everywhere. And it's just so funny. Like you get to the point where it still is surprising me, like even even towards the end of episode four, when she's in the background of Bill's workout thing. I'm like, what is she fucking doing, man? Like, what is the game plan here? But I think the breadcrumbs idea, it could be it could be onto something like she's trying to have the reveal at the end all fall onto Roderick's plate like she was there. I don't know. But yeah, either way, it's just a, it's just a delight every time because she's like she's Vinny Chase's agent. I mean, come on. She's the best. Oh, yeah. She, That's she a deep cut. Best. That's a deep cut right there. <laughs> That's a deep cut. And I freaking Amanda Daniels. Let's go, man. I freaking love her. But I will say that I was. 100% pleasantly surprised that Verna has inserted herself this much in episodes mm-hmm. three and four, because I was thinking that Carla Gugina's actress would be more of what we saw on episodes one and two, where it would be maybe the flashback to the soul, the soul to the devil thing, if that's true, or, Hey, I'm going to show up real quick to kill you. And then I'm out. Mm-hmm. I like that. She's slipping herself in and we're seeing more of her because, you know, I don't, I don't want to, throw any spoilers anywhere but you know flanagan whether it's carlo gugino or any of his favorite actors and actresses if he wants to throw them in at in in a show sometimes they might not be a main character they may be only in it for two seconds and to know that we're going to see her a lot more is something that i'm very happy about right yep agreed so speaking of our favorite actresses camille she goes to Leo. It is her episode. Oh. It is Camille's episode. Let's let's give it up for our girl Kate Siegel, okay? The scene. Is I so texted good. the group. I said she's the best. She is. She is. She is one hundred percent the best. Yeah. So she goes to Leo's to prep him. They're doing drugs. They're having drinks. I'm like, this is the best because Raul Coley and Kate Siegel are like besties in real life. So you know they just begged oh, for I didn't a know scene. That. They're like, come on, give us a scene. 
So these two do seem like, you know, they are at least friendish. And they talk about the bastard thing. This is when they talk about the ages where everyone met. Yep. Camille was 20. Perry was 16. Leo was 18. Kate goes on a great little mon- monologue about how the ushers don't make stuff. Freddie's a cover band. Xbox mm-hmm. G- Gatsby. You know, she crushes it with the monologues in this episode. Anything about this hang that felt peculiar to you guys? Or did it just feel like normal? Because I, I thought like when he woke up to the cat. I thought like Camille was going to be somewhere or something like I'm I'm almost surprised we didn't get how the cat died. I just thought Camille was going to pop up and be relevant like she, you know, she ended up staying or something, but she didn't. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just grasping at straws or just well, wanting more Kate. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, this this was just made for me. This scene It was so freaking funny. Like their chemistry is is amazing when they're together. But it was just an excuse to get for Flanagan to give us that info dump. That was actually very yeah. important about the backstory of she hates Vic. Leo met Roderick at 18, Camilla at 20, Perry at 16. It was like that was an important piece. And we even talked about it already. Yeah. Like It was mm. needed background knowledge. And I think that's really all it was. But my God, the delivery of the line when she gets there trying to prep him about like, oh, my God, we got to do all these things. He's like, you're on an edible. And he goes, yeah, you want one? He goes, I mean, yeah, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking funny, man. She was good there. And then that monologue again. This is her second one of the episode when she does kind of psychoanalyze all of the family was yeah. beautiful. Like it was just great acting. I'm sad she didn't stay for the party, though. Yeah, me too. Our girl knows better than to stay for the party because she's a yeah. PR person. She doesn't yeah. want to. She doesn't want to get caught on camera partying it up. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess we just have to assume that it was a blacked out Leo that stabbed the cat. Unless you just want to say that the cat ended up dead magically by Verna, and he wakes up to it and goes, "Holy shit!" Either way, it's one of those like, "Holy shit, Sunday scaries" kind of thing. <laughs> Wake it's up, the night of James. Yeah, it's literally the yeah. night of, except with a cat. I was a little surprised that she wasn't more on his ass because I thought that she like the, Hey, do you want an edible? Yeah. I want an edible. It's freaking hilarious. But I would have thought that she would have been like, get your shit together. We got to take care of this for the family. Like even at the end, she kept, she was like, yeah, I'll have another drink. I'll keep drinking. And then she says when she's leaving, like, Oh, do it up, party it up. I'll push to the, to the afternoon. It's hilarious. And I I love it, but I just would have thought she would have been more on his ass being like, you got to take care of this for the family. But, Nah, she's the thing. cool sister. She is the cool sister. But wait, I have a question. Do you guys think that there is any sense of redemption for the siblings? Like Leo, the cat stabbed. He wakes up. Instead of owning up to it, he covers it up. Do you think that if he decided to come clean, he could have broke whatever curse this is? Or like, I don't remember a redemption option for Perry in episode like if he just didn't throw the party and listened at the business meeting like they wanted to i think that Werner's giving them choices meaning frederick's wife could have easily walked out the door she chose to stay and do the bad thing and then she suffers for it there's a scene with camille and she says you shouldn't be here and then she says when she kills her i gave you the choice to walk out if you would have walked out you would have died in your sleep all peacefully now you're gonna get freaking destroyed by a a monkey Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know okay she's giving choices are you saying are you saying you could have died in your sleep i would have killed you in your sleep or oh they're dying you'll die in your sleep when you're 80 okay okay so that automatically negates me they're dying no matter what it's just that i do think that no matter what they're dying i think that they're gonna be dead and and 
see if if it's the deal with the devil thing, it could be a million things. Like whether Roderick signed this deal with the devil, I mean Zach Guilford's character at that time, we don't know who he is because it's a little bit later. We know Maddie is pretty much a boss bitch from the beginning, but when he's in the bar, we're getting scenes with him before that, correct? Mm-hmm. Like the scenes we're getting now are before the bar scene. So mm-hmm. we don't know what his headspace is. Is he someone that would have something as literally as, yo, I'm the devil. And I'm not saying she's going to say, hey, I'm the devil, but I'm the devil. You can get everything in this world that you want. But I want like your kids if you ever have kids or something in a weird way or like I'll take everything personally from you, except you'll be the most powerful person in the world. And if you're Zach Guilford's version of Roddy at that time, he might be like, I don't freaking eat kids. I well, I don't know because he already has his two, and, he, and yeah, we don't he know if where Annabelle is and stuff. But maybe he's, you know, maybe Annabelle's dead. I don't know. But I'm just saying, does he sign off on something specific like that, where the price is the kids, or is it just like, you know what, she's secretly torturing him in a in a, you know, I feel like Mephisto his way. If we want to talk about Marvel comics, isn't like, hey, I'm going to give you this, and you have the sign off with me killing your kids. It's just like, I'm going to give you everything you want. And then secretly you signed the wrong contract and I'm going to make you suffer for it. Sure. I think it's going to be that. I agree with Jimmy. I think they're all going to die because she was also giving Leo the option to not take home the black cat that was reserved for whoever, Mm -hmm. you know, so there wasn't out for all of them, but yeah, Yeah, he pulled the, you don't know who I am card. I have everything. I could do this. I could do that. And use that used his dad's power. Yeah, to get this cat, and if he decided yep. not to, then he would have took him another cat, which wouldn't have worked, obviously, or he would have walked out the door and mm-hmm. he would have died in his sleep or whatever. But she was yeah. killing him either way, is my my opinion. Okay, all right, I agree with that. The last thing I'm going to say is I honestly think that the kids dying has nothing to do with the kids; it's just to torment the dad. So 100%. I don't think she cares how they die. Yeah. So yeah. that's why she's funny, funny as the devil because. She's like almost giving you the choice. Like if you want to continue being bad, then I'll kill you in a bad way. Mm -hmm. But if I give you the option not to be bad, then you could die in your sleep peacefully. I only care about torturing the dad because he's the one who signed off. Yeah. These kids don't know how to be other anything other than bad. They just don't. They were raised that way. They weren't. I have this as my next note post lemon monologue. Like they weren't raised. They were media trained. They were taught how to pivot. PR pivots is basically what he says. But that lemon monologue may be one of Flanagan's best. I mean, like the tit lemon DNA sequence. I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm fucking dying. Like that's gorgeous writing. It really was just so good. James, following up on when you were saying young Roderick, I was thinking like, when does he turn into a savage? I think I said it yeah. last episode. You watch, you listen to him give this lemon speech and then you see him at the bar, not wanting to have a drink. And Maddie's like, you're having a fucking drink pussy. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> In episode four, you hear Rufus give that speech about building a fucking wall. And then he sir, gives yes, that speech sir. in episode three to the kids. And I'm like, damn, that's such a good callback. And you could see, like, he's changing himself. Like, he's really, like, him giving poetry to his wife into just being, like, a fucking savage businessman. Like, he's a he's not a father. He's a businessman. Like, it's just how it is. Even his current wife now, the scene with Juno, it's like, no, you're not. T- you're not taking any less ligonome, baby. You're my. You're my card out of here. Okay, you're my proof. You're my. You're my proof. proof. Yeah. So I like that you just brought that up because I've been trying to like put words to this in my head, but it almost feels like this show 
like a big part of it sticking the landing for me is going to be in a satisfying way showing that character development. And that was a perfect example of a part of his character development into becoming the savage that he is now. This yeah. other scene that's like right around here too, when Maddie tells the story about the foster parents and she's being a badass and she's basically telling him what to do. I felt like he internalized a lot of what she said in that scene too. So like this whole episode was really good for QB one's development into an NFL starter, but then like, it's going to still take a lot of, a lot more events because like he hasn't shown it yet, but he is getting the messages from all these different sketchy people. And I also want to say, take this moment to say you, you were saying earlier in the episode that you think um, Camille and Leo are probably the best actors and, Scene for scene, man, Griswold has been, I thought, incredible so far, like in his, in his acting delivery. I know that's probably a yeah. weird side character to pick as one of my favorite performances, but I feel like his monologues have been amazing as well. And this is one of them. He has a really good one at the end of episode four, too. Uh, but yeah, Roderick has all these good teachers. And by good, I mean, like, not good, but like good for him <laughs> to become who he is. And yeah. it's really great yeah. to see. And then, yeah, shout out to that lemon speech because it just kept going, but it was so gripping like it was so good man i loved every part of it it was great so Agreed. before we get cut to the flashback we were still with augie and and roddy and and we find some some things out so perry had monty in the system which is a street engineer derivative of ligadone and you we actually hear uh who ha who takes it earlier leo that's leo went yeah, yeah. When yeah. the girl comes up, she's like, I have Monty. He's like, oh, my gosh. Thank you, bro. And hugs yes. her. Yes, exactly. Perfect. And then Verna has like two cold, dead hands on his shoulders at this point. Is that what you were seeing, too? Sometimes it's dark. I thought that was Camille. It's Camille. Yeah, it's Camille. Camille. Oh, is it Camille? Okay, because yeah. it was yeah. dark. I couldn't really see. All right, so it's Camille. And then um, Dude, a jump scare when got he me throws so the bad. glass. <laughs> yeah. she, when he just turned around, that was like peak creepy. That's like Nell you know laying on the yeah, couch right? in episode one i was like holy shit that one really got me augie is playing it really well him getting startled by roddy mm -hmm. doing these crazy things like when leo hits the table in front of him or all these things like when augie yells at him it's like you don't yell at me you don't raise your voice at me because he has no idea what that roderick is seeing just like all of his dead kids flying around <laughs> everywhere and his mom Wild. and his mom Augie was was awesome, especially like you said, Kathleen, with the scene where Leo falls and he's saying, shut up, shut up. I'm trying to talk. You have to put yourself in Augie's position because it just seems like he's yelling at Augie and Augie was awesome. Yeah. He was like, don't you freaking yell at me, bro. Like, it, it was yeah. good. It was good. Yeah. This was when he's basically being like, it was never my drug. I was the middleman, which I, I was a little confused about because it does cut right to him being like this is my drug this is my drug <laughs> but that's that's the that's it being ironic because it, it yeah. isn't no matter what it isn't his drug but at that moment when he's talking to luke's homie now is uh, what i'm going to call him he's <laughs> yeah. talking to griswold and this is where madeline is kind of saying like i like the yeah, like a little bit of a backbone you always are so aggressive with, with your take yeah but you might have to take another way another route here to try to finagle your way into getting what you want but yeah he's basically trying to say like dude you totally just stole my shit that's yeah. my drug but again now that he's older and wiser and he's money morning quarterbacking this whole thing and he can look back on his life it's not his drug he didn't create it he's just the yeah. guy that quote unquote found it and then Fortunato took it and it's their main thing. Yeah, so I was confused. I thought Madeline would kind of hype him up for sticking up for himself and like staying instead of like, you know, ratting him out and leaving or whatever. Like, I thought young Roderick was 
staying at the company even after all the like forged signatures and all that junk. And Madeline's like, you're just eating shit, like all this stuff. I thought she would be like, yeah, you, yeah, you like stay true. You're going to build yourself up in the company. But well, we're talking about two different flashbacks, too, because oh, the first one where he comes in two? and says, this is my drug. That's where yes. she's giving him shit. And she's saying you're eating a shit sandwich because you basically or no, no, I'm sorry. That's where she's saying that, you know, you went in super aggressive. Yes. And he took over the the, the, the whole conversation and now you're owned pretty much and you need to mm. be his bff and it's the whole scene where she says we go into the foster family and i became the right hand woman to the to the bad yeah. lady and i'm the one who busted her and mm. that's where she's saying you're gonna eat this shit and you're gonna become the bff of luke's homie griswold and then you're gonna get him busted and out of here and we're gonna take over because kathleen and luke it's our father's company. Right. Yes. Another reveal, which we guessed yeah. and we 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 knew, but it's our father's company. I said it it's first. Our, <laughs> right. It's our birthright. <laughs> so Okay, yes. Thank you for clearing stuff. that up. Yeah. I guess I was just a little confused, but it, that all that all makes sense now. Okay. Annabelle is absolutely gorgeous. And I'll just end it there. Okay. So flashing to Camille. She requires a lot of her assistance. It's a full <laughs> service position. Uh, but now Beth and Toby are in love, or Tina, as as she's affectionately known um, from Camille. But so, so money, so that, that fucking funny. Oh my god! First of all, this whole entire freak out by her is money. This is the actual time when I texted you guys and said Kate Siegel is so good, yeah. <laughs> because this is just ridiculous. And the scene where, or the part where she says, "I just thought Tina, what's the guy's name again? Troy, what is it? Toby." Yeah, I just thought Tina and Toby was cool. I don't care. Like, she's freaking out about it. Like, <laughs> like, it's cute. I don't care. Like, whatever. I I, I just was, I was dying. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm going to say this, Kathleen. We just talked about Annabelle's actress. I don't, if I try really hard, I see Kev Bot, but I still don't really see Kev Bot in that actor. Me neither. His hair's longer. I see it. He's got, like, yeah, I mean, I can kind of see it and I could tell, like, okay, yeah, I guess that's him. But I still don't <laughs> think that if I knew it was him, I would have caught it. So here's my thing. Are we not going to get payback on Camille watching that built video? You know, I thought they were going to be like cheating with each other or something. Or Me like too. they had fucked in the past. Maybe we'll get a flashback because we haven't seen Tim's episode yet. Um, they all hate each other. So there could be a deeper reason why. I don't know if it's just like normal hate or if there's actual reasons for it. So yeah. who knows? I thought we were going to get payout for that, but we didn't. So not yet anyway. The assistant scene, this is like a really good time to bring this up, how we're sad that we're losing some of our siblings, like we're losing Leo and Camille probably for the rest of the show. But the side effect of that is we lose everybody attached to them in their storyline. And that's like the assistants are gone. I was starting to really warm up to Jules, too, as a character gone. Like we're going to lose all Mm -hmm. these other characters. And that's the saddest thing, too, because you're right. We might get Camille in a flashback in Tam's episode. But have we gotten like any Perry since he died? I don't think we just, got Camille this episode. Just talked about. We've just gotten about. Perry dead. We, dead. Yeah, and dead that's it. and dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I think the finale is the next time we're going to see Camille unless we're lucky and she is and she's doing something sketchy with Bill. But that doesn't even match. Like that doesn't tie in with the assistance being like her sexual thing. Like it doesn't really I don't see any payoff being there besides her just caring about the PR reputation of all the ushers and everybody connected to him. I think that's that's it. It could just be that surface level. But it was yeah. weird. I just keep thinking about 
her scene right there. Just <laughs> oh my god, you're holding hands, <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I don't want to hear any don't of this talk. orgasm for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. so good. She it was the longest day. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So we have two Verna scenes left. One quick. So Tam has a new girl coming and it's Verna. Of course, she is. She's always calling people off. She calls off the, the guard. She calls off the girl. And uh, I couldn't tell if she was like Kiwi or British in this. But either way, she puts on the fab accent of like Camille. Like she was British or key or Australian, whatever you want to say. I'm bad at picking out. And then on when she snaps back to like acting like Camille, it's like, whoa. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it feels like Bill is like really enjoying it. Like he likes talking to these girls more than he actually likes talking to his real wife because they I don't know. But uh, that was pretty quick. Anything you guys want to comment on for that? OK. And then the last one is, of course, the big finale. Right. This is our, our girl swan song. So Vern is the security guard at the night shift at Vic's place. And of course, Camille's barging in there to see what the fuck's up because she couldn't get the last info from the twins. I'll call them not the twins. They're the, <laughs> they're the uh, assistants. <laughs> but uh, she asked for the information after she told them to go fuck themselves. And they were like, no. So she's taking yeah, pics right. of the monkeys. She hates Vic. And we knew that. And it was so interesting of Verna to be like, why? Why do you hate Vic so much? Why? Like, dig and dig and dig. And we didn't get an answer. Go ahead. Right. And even Leo in the scene where she brings up the bastard thing, she doesn't name Vic. And Leo goes, and Vic. And she's Ugh. like, you know, you, and then he kind of says, like, what's your problem? Like, you know, yeah, she just doesn't like her for some reason. And I don't know. Maybe in Vic's backstory, we'll get the reason. Yeah. I mean, the only thing Verna said, and she seems like all knowing, obviously, is that you hate her because she hid it better. Like Vic went into helping people. So she's hiding the fact that she's like bad or whatever. And then, but Camille went straight into PR and is like covering up all the bad things people do. So it's just obvious that she's kind of a piece of shit. But that's the only thing we get. But yeah, you could have died peaceful in bed. We talked about that. And it's not personal. It's just, well, here we are. And then the picture and mm-hmm. then the last second being a monkey. I, I saw that coming a mile away because you, you see yeah. the cage door open and she's just kind of being a the Mephisto like cover of it. Um, but I did think it was pretty badass when what is her? Did you write down her last line when she's like, fuck it, I got it or whatever? What does she say before she snaps the picture? I think fuck it i'm here or like something um, something like that but i'm happy that she went out kind of on her own terms like just like a badass rather than be like screaming freaking out i thought that was a better ending uh but yeah it's it's just the moment when hot mama gets philosophical and it seems like she's gonna do this between she's talking to rod through them basically and then like also kind of like trashing the usher family name and like everything that's wrong with them and it seems like that's gonna be what we get every single time we got it with perry in the back room when she was like faking being the uh, like who he was gonna hook up with we're gonna we got it with leo right when he's like looking through the wall or hearing the walls so we're gonna get that every episode and it's just gonna keep snowballing until there's like some sort of payoff and connection into what happened before that night 40 years ago whatever i think that's gonna be a really key part i saw the cage door open and then she comes in and I was like, wait, I saw the cage door open, right? Yeah. But it was still really cool that she was the monkey. And of course, she like opens her blouse and, you know, she's got the marks and everything. And when she jumps up onto the table and Kate Siegel, yeah. I keep using her name, but Camille like jumps back. It's like, holy shit, because Kate at this point, Camille's like, I will freaking kill you for what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. 
Corin and <laughs> Verna jumps up and she's like, oh, Jesus. You know, that was awesome. I'm guessing at this point she wouldn't be on camera. I don't think what we would see any camera shots of the security guard version of Verna walking to the door and going into that room because this is probably one of those scenarios where, quote unquote, she's not there and it's just all monkey chimpanzee that kills her. So I don't know. That's those kind of things that it's like, so did you watch the security footage to see when she leaves? Does she just like pop and disappear? Does You know, like they just kind of show her there and they're like, oh, there she is. But whatever. It's fine. If she just walked out the door, they couldn't do anything with it anyway. So, yeah, no, nothing deeper there. And, and Camille's got a sweet white car to match her hair. She drives up, not giving a shit, parks in like three parking spots. <laughs> runs. <up. laughs> All right. So that's the end of episode three. We're going to move swiftly into more animals killing people, which is the black cat. So this is Leo's episode. We get a lot of Roddy talking about denial most of the episode. He brings up sublimination, which is pouring your bad energy and emotions into something more appropriate, which is kind of like a theme of him and Madeline. It seems like the way they grew up, the way they live now, it's like you got to turn it into lemonade or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like you don't react. You don't go crazy. You just figure out how to you know, fix whatever it is. So. Leo's going looking for the black cat. Of course, Vern is the fucking girl at the at the mm-hmm. shelter. Like wh- what? I will say it's getting a little, a little bit like okay, she's just everywhere. She's just gonna kill them all. And that's that. Like I don't want to say it's getting a little old already for me, but it's a little bit of like repetitiveness. At least like the monkey did it in the th- in the third episode. This one felt like it was just like a cat. And I'm like, who gives a fuck about this cat? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. No, There's know, a little bit of I know you who mean. gives a fuck about a cat to me in this episode, but I loved the acting, so I'm I'm still in. And I kind of I kind of alluded to that earlier. Like we're going the predictable route on the in the episode structures. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of all ending. At least these first three deaths of the first three kids was like that. And I hope it's not like that going forward, because at the end, like even at yeah, like this, the the Leo death scene, the last scene of this episode, it did just feel like, okay, like we just kind of saw that again, reshaped. I still like it, but I agree, like it's going to get old if we do this three more times before we get to the finale. And that's that's the only thing I'm feeling it will be that it could be. They need to start giving us more big picture mystery answers to tie it to these deaths rather than it just being the isolated deaths of the kids at the end. I don't know. I I don't how know many, how I feel. I need one more. I probably need one more to really have an opinion on it. How many episodes total? There's eight. eight. Right? Oh, only eight. Shit. Okay. So so we're on three and we have three more deaths on a finale. So two, three, and Damn. four were three kids. Damn. Because I was going to say if there's 10, it could be like Hill House, right? Each kid got an episode. And then, you know, there's all these like other episodes to fill you in on the rest of it. So it's going to be four, five, six, four, five, or sorry, five, six, seven seven. are going to be the next three deaths. And then it's the eight's got to be all around um, Maddie and Rod. So, yeah, what I will say is that I agree with you that it is definitely kind of I don't I don't know if I want the right word of cookie cutter, but it is getting like straightforward where, you know, each episode is going to be the end of one of the siblings. But yeah. At the same time, because I thought that in my head right away, I was actually surprised that some of them are blending together and they have to do that because there's a lot of kids like the fact that we saw some of Vic's storyline already happening and, you know, things like that. 
and Tam storyline already happening. So like the fact that Vernus showed up for Tam already and Vernus showed up for Vic already and we're starting to get their storylines interwoven, I'm hoping that once we get to their specific episodes, they can kind of get to the punch a little quicker and give us more other information during those episodes. Like give us yeah. more give us more content True. around the entire family and not just okay, this is Vic's episode since we already have the beginning of it starting. We don't need that to happen in the next episode. We don't need the beginning of the episode to be like, oh, here's Verna showing up as an older lady who needs a heart procedure. And now Vic is going to con her into being the first human trial. We already have it. So yeah. now we'll start the procedure. Totally I'm agree. Guessing that, yeah. Freddie, Freddie's in the same situation, too. We're getting a lot of building blocks of his story because... <laughs> He yeah. has like the whole wife and he's freaking out. We get a lot of that in this episode too. So I, I agree that we are moving in a hopefully better direction where it's not just going to be rinse and repeat. Perry was the most straightforward. He's the youngest. He was the easiest to write. Like it made sense that he was first like that. Mm-hmm. I wish Camille was a little bit later. Leo even was pretty like surface level too. Like in terms of like, yeah. he could have been an early one. Camille feel like she had layers. Tam definitely has layers. Vic, we don't know about. And then Freddie's going to be the oldest last yeah. death. So I'm wondering if they're going to give more to Freddie and Tam just because they're actually 100% blood. children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blood. We'll see. Yeah. But also, they are probably going to hit him the hardest because they're actually children that he raised. Right. Quote unquote raised. Yeah. But raised. Yeah. Uh, the next couple things are just funny. Like, one, Leo, Raul Coley's line read of being like, like, write me out of the fucking will. Give my share to the next junkie tart you find in the ER. I was like, boom, mic drop. That was so hot. And then <laughs> them being like, is Juno in the will? No, she's not really in the will. Well, is, is she? she? <laughs> I'm fucking cracking up. I'm like, she definitely so is. Good. No, she's she's like, I'm still in the room. <laughs> she's crushing it. The Pim Reaper man, he has that grasp that I don't want to be in. I mean, more camels. Ominous as hell. He is killing it mm-hmm. as the Pim Reaper. When he grabs... Leo, it's like there's death in his eyes. And then yeah. you, he looks at Roddy. He doesn't really move his eyes from Roddy. And then you see Roddy give like the nod, like let him go. And then they let him go. But dude, I would be so scared of Mark Hamill if I was oh, one yeah. of the children. I would Me not want to interact with them, even if he's like supposedly on my side. Like it seems like Fred. No, I guess it's not true. But Freddie seems to have a lot of contact with him because he's like the main person dealing with shit the head business guy Roddy, like but, the family yeah 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 but i wouldn't want to deal with him in any way at all it's like logan roy's calling you know you just if he's looking you in the eye you run away you're scared only luke will get that but not james okay so um this is when we get the security footage back and when madeline sees it it seems like she goes straight to the bar is that what you guys got too like she goes, she's like, no, it can't be. And it looks like it's like closed down. Whatever she goes and she sees, was that a crow or a raven? I'm kind of stupid. Which one is it's it? It's a raven, I hope, okay. because of Edgar, the point of right? it's Edgar Allan Poe. But yeah, so so it's a raven. And I don't know, like we've seen raven imagery in the first few episodes, of course. Is that what you guys got? Like, where did Madeline go? She's like looking at that like graffiti thing. I figured it was the bar. What'd you guys figure? That's where I got now. Oh, okay, cool. So, because <laughs> I so, have no so, yeah, idea. So, right. So, originally, we see the footage and they say it's a woman. We don't have any women security guards. This is crazy. Yeah. There is somebody coming for us. We are at war. It could have been a coincidence with Perry. 
with this lady being there that they couldn't identify. Okay, now there's confirmation that there's a lady at both deaths. We're at war. We need to let everyone know we're at war. And then we have the whole scenario where Madeline is looking at it, and then Roddy's like, can you enhance that? And he's like, can't do that in security footage. He's like, <laughs> okay, dude, zoom in, bro. Whatever. I, I just, just <laughs> let me see. And then at that moment, we don't have any, we can't see Carla Gugino. We can, but, you know, because we know it's her. But they can't tell that it's Verna yet. And then, like you said, Kathleen, then we get the enhanced footage on the phone and he sends it to Madeline. Now, when she went there, at first, I see like the, I don't know, how do you want to say it? Like homeless shelter? I don't know. People, shelter, yeah, you see people homeless, homeless encampment. Yeah. Yeah. Help. I don't know if encampment was the right word. So, yeah, ho- homeless encampment where for a second, I thought she was going to be in contact with Verna and Verna was going to be like in disguise as a homeless person whenever she meets with Madeline. Like, mm-hmm. my thought was that she was going to see Verna and be like, what the hell's going on? But then she passes right by because I thought, too, like, she seems like at first when she gets out of the car, she's walking into the encampment yeah, and she's agreed. being like, you know, she's like, oh, shit, I look way too, like, fancy. I could get mugged or something. And then she just walks right by it. And again, Kathleen, fully 100 percent. I thought the bar. But then it's weird because there's not like a boarded up bar. It's just a big wall with a picture of a raven. And then the raven comes down right on top and perches right above it. I can see and I can hope that it's the bar because I think that is cool because Madeline, which I love that they keep saying like she's a one in a million genius, a yeah. one in a life, once in a lifetime genius. Like if she catches it first, I love that. But the way that Roddy looked at it, he knew right away too. like, oh my gosh, that's Verna. Yeah. Whether he remembers her name is Verna or not, he knows who that is. But he's also been seeing her. She hasn't. Like he saw her. Well, at the he's bar. been seeing her after, right? Yeah, not yet. This is not all at this after point. the kids are dying, like in the car and all that kind of stuff. That's after the funerals and shit. All the funerals, yeah. This, no, no, no. All the what times. About... No, no, no. When when he when he's at the when he gets the news from the doctor, right? Remember, she's like she like scares him, have a drink, and she like throws it across the bar, and it's Verna. Mm. Like the, she is the bartender ghost. That's the first one that that's his first hallucination we see. I think. Is that's true, and him. and that okay. was Perry again, even was still alive then, right? And then again, I guess in his head he can be thinking, "All right, this is a hallucination. I just found out that I had the same sickness as my mom, but now that we're showing security footage that me, Madeline, and the Pim Reaper can all see, we see that it's this lady. Now it's not a hallucination." Yeah, God, dude, the fear that would go through my body when I saw that face <laughs> would just be insane. Like, holy hell. Agreed. That The scene that they have, when they do this scene, it's going to be awesome. And yeah, I don't know if we want to get into this or not. And when I say this scene, I mean the scene where, if it's right, where they sign their soul to the devil. But I don't know if we want to get into this or not at this point. But Madeline, to me, really does seem like, whether it's through the years or from the very beginning, I don't think she cares really about Roddy that much i think she cares about her final goal i think she used to care about him i don't know if she does anymore i think she's very like logical kind of like how camille's was hilariously being like all right you think you're in love when this dopamine wears off have fun you guys are bored as hell and now you just threw away you know that kind of thing i feel like madeline as a genius i'm not saying she doesn't feel emotion because just because you're a genius but i'm saying like maybe she's just so like this is my end game I mean, you see how she's acted from the beginning of her being Willa Fitzgerald. She's always being like, yo, you know what we need? Fortunato is our birthright. 
Yeah. Is she using Roddy? Because she he's like, you know, the deal back then. Back then, he's the yeah, guy. Women. You have to make the guy, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. We're just going to have to keep watching. But I agree. I I didn't get that she doesn't care about him. I think she's, he's the only one she even cares about a little bit. But I think you're right. Okay. I think her ambition trumps all of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, I think it's all going to come down to Madeline. If I had to guess, I would say, like we said earlier, Madeline, like, sells her soul or makes the deal or does whatever's terrible. And loops See, Roddy in. To me, it just sounds that- like Jimmy has a crush on Madeline. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Will Fitzgerald and Madeline. Yeah, I love right? her. MTV screen for life, man. Quick three things we can run through. So uh, Roddy confronts Vic about the, the mess of the monkeys, right? And then he's saying, let's just cut it. Like, I'll cut my losses, bajillion dollars, whatever, fuck it. And she's like, we're moving to human trials. And he's all, his eyes are lit lit up because he knows he's dying. He doesn't have that long to live. And this is where I have a note that they're not really giving any real background to Vic at all. And I know we talked about that, but I'm really excited for Vic. I think Vic is going to be like, I said key, just like a key to the soul. Oh, whole... key. I thought you... Yeah. <laughs> you said E. I was like, what does that mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, thought you said, I thought you said beat. I was like, oh, you just... <laughs> Kelly was talking about how she's the best and you're about to say she's yeah, beat. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think they're not giving us anything. We don't know anything about her. And especially how much you love Hannah Gross in Fly. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, I'm yeah. waiting to love Vic and I don't. Like, I don't have any thoughts towards Vic, which is interesting. Two... Pim shows Freddie the burner phone, which just like sets off a really funny scene of like sequence of events with Freddie. Uh, he's just trying to convince himself it's not her phone. And then um, Leo is, you know, finds the fucking thing under his pillow, the rat mm-hmm. under his pillow. And then we get the jump scare and stuff. So those three quick scenes happen. Any notes? Uh, no, my only thing about Freddie, besides it being hilarious, this whole sequence of events is just why does it even matter? She has a burner phone just like leo says he she, his wife was at perry's orgy party <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean she was there whether she has a burner phone or not she was there i mean you're not she's not there to like pick up some milk and bring it home to the family she's you know she's there at this party so mm-hmm. yeah he's trying to convince himself that she's like was there without bad what, like intentions, a one-time thing you know or, what I mean? yeah, or right. like so, you know whatever so a burner phone right. means you know, like you're constantly, even though it really doesn't for her, it was only given to her by Perry yeah. just for the party, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, nothing to add for those scenes, but Henry Thomas, man, he should go into comedies because he is just so funny. He's just so funny. His presence is hilarious. He is. He's so good. Now we're moving to the day Augie and Roddy meet, and this is like huge. They're like, I remember everything about that day, you know? So Augie shows up at Roderick's house as a fraud investigator looking into Fortunato. There's a doctor on all the consent forms. Roddy doesn't know him. And then they find out that all the signatures are forged of Roderick's um, and of the doctors, possibly. So uh, they're basically just falsifying documents to get these this uh, drug legadone pushed through. And Roderick is like, I can't recall, even though his wife is trying to be like, that ain't your, that ain't your. He's like, no. And he's like, whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't Mm -hmm. recall. Yeah. I may or exactly. may not have signed. <laughs> if I recall, yeah. I'll give you a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he takes it to Rufus and Rufus gives the forming a fucking wall speech that we talked about. Rufus is a piece of shit, like a real piece of shit. He's a sneaky bastard. And when he talks, he makes me die inside. Like a, even 
you know, Jimmy, you had mentioned that like Madeline was a woman and like not treated right. Like even like the way this man, if I was a, a anybody in the world and this man was talking to me that way, like just, like you're just nothing to them. You're really just nothing, especially like all these shows where it's this like there's the big man boss and you're just the little guy on the on the tenth fl- first floor or whatever. It's like it, it depresses me. Like I couldn't even function or imagine like working in that type of environment. Like fuck oh, that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's the worst. I agree. But but this was the speech that I was hinting at earlier. I thought I still think it was like a really well acted yeah, yeah. speech. Yeah. 100%. If anything, this scene made me really this scene paired with the one before we were talking about Augie. I'm rooting so hard for Augie to at least bust Griswold. Like we're going to have to find yeah. out how how uh Rod t- takes over and I hope that he's involved because that Sherlock moment was lit. Like when he's like, "Oh, I see the coffee cuz like all of that." That was yep. giving me Sherlock Holmes vibes and I was like, "Yo, this is all adding to my image of Augie in the present and I really like it. I kind of mm-hmm. am worried now that he's definitely going to probably die at the end of of modern day Roderick's speech with something to do with Madeline and the quote unquote Madeline in the basement. Like, I feel like he's fucked. I feel like this guy is going to die and I don't want him to because I'm starting to like him the more I see him in the past. I agree. And I, and I think that even when we have these scenes between present day, if you want to say present day, Augie and Roderick, he says, Roderick says to Augie, like, I respect you, man. Like when Augie yells back at him thinking, dude, don't yell at me. This and he's like, I respect you. Like, Roderick respects Augie for who he is and how capable and competent he is. And like you said, Luke, that Sherlock scene was awesome. And he knew better than to just push more. He was just like, listen, if you want to do the right thing, here's my card. And he just Mm -hmm. walks out the door because he knows, you know, he knows at least he thinks that they're doing this for the right reasons, meaning saying, I don't recall. He's not just being like Rufus and he's just an asshole. He literally has a, a family to feed and he's telling his wife say hey stop 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 saying what you're saying because i could lose my job i could be fired and everything could be game over for our entire family if this happens and all right. he understands that and that's why he says here's my car if you want to do the right thing i understand and he walks out the door yeah and then this gets into kathleen what you're saying about the conversation and that leads to madeline saying to roderick yep. you know this is this is bad like you your name is being forged, like you know, all this kind of stuff. And she, again, gives him the game plan that he's going to follow, which eventually will turn into him taking the reins of the company. Before we get to Leo's demise, let's do the quick scene. So uh, Tam is watching the new built like commercial or whatever it is, the gold bug stuff. Uh, and Vernon is in the background, which we talked about. But I just want to talk about like, we built this city. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. The, the needle drop on that was so funny. It made me like yeah. smile. So I was big. laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing because especially like, obviously you guys know, like I dabble with the, with the personal trainer thing and yeah. it's just, but it's just funny to just watch like how he was doing it. I, I, I was laughing out loud at this version yeah. of, of the built thing with the, with the fitness workout live stream and stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's another satire on how ridiculous these things are too. Like everything is satire for Flanagan. He's, he's meta for a lot of things. He's speaking to us in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And then Freddie's trying to get the phone unlocked with, with his wife and it's, it's perfection. I mean, the, fa- the peeling her skin off basically with the thing with the um bandages and using her pointer finger. Who uses her pointer finger? Yeah, it's the bomb, I know. Bitch. 
Plus, he's probably burned but, off too, right? Well, yeah, that's exactly. What, so when he when he has his daughter, and she's like, "Dad, you haven't eaten in two days. What's wrong?" And he's just staring at the phone. He's like, "What do you cool kids do when you're trying to get <laughs> yeah. into a phone?" She's like, "You mean like hackers?" But she says, "Like we do it just like anybody else does it." Facial recognition, a passcode, or a finger. And in my head, I'm like, well, can't do either any of them because he's all yeah. bad. And it's right. convenient for that whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I knew that wasn't going to work. I was going to be a little pissed if he put that face up to there and it worked because that shit is burned up. Well, it wouldn't have worked either way. It was a burner. Even if she I was mean, healthy, I she had right? to get in somehow. Well, she, so Yeah, she, she probably... may have said it. I mean, we don't know if she yeah. set it up or not. We have 666999 I mean, was the password from Perry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, but I'm we, saying, we, we yeah, but, yeah, but he does. Okay, you're saying, yeah, we as audience should know it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mm-hmm. totally forgot about 666999. I should have knew that. <laughs> I was like, if you're using a burner, don't use your own thumbprint and don't use your own facial recognition. No, no. On it. To take us home, we're going to walk through Leo's death. Okay, so Jules asked Leo to take a beat on the drugs. Um, and then Freddie shows up. And it's a great payoff from an earlier episode when they say he's afraid of elevators because he's so tired when he gets up to the door and he's out of breath. And they don't say he doesn't make a joke about the elevators. You just have to remember, like, he's scared of elevators, which is so funny. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Interestingly enough, like Leo says the line boyfriend just resigned. He's dead and he doesn't even know it. Like him mentioning the drugs at all. Leo's like. You're out. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You're out. Be, that's my one rule. Don't now, don't fuck with me about the drugs. Not that this matters, but was that metaphorical or do they actually like kill people that are in, you know, their exes because they have too much information? Nah, it's, it's metaphorical. metaphorical yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I figure it's also interesting that we're talking about how like they're, you know, they're siblings, but they meet each other later in life. And I'm assuming, you know, Frederick is the oldest. So, you know, he may be like, I don't know. What do you think? He's in his 40s or f- 40s or 50s or something. So I would say late 40s. Yeah. OK, so late 40s. And then you meet like someone like Perry and Leo coming in at their 16, 18, 20 years old. He's like already had his whole life with his dad. And he's like, who are these people coming into my life? But it's interesting to have a scenario where you do have this brother. You come to his house asking him for drugs and he's like, oh, you've never seen this house, have you? Like it's your freaking brother and you never seen their house. Yeah, that is very weird. But are we just opening the floor to everything before Hot Mama gets there? Everything. So cornea, slice. Yeah, I, I only really wanted to bring up the... Um, it was a funny scene, though, when, when Freddie goes there for the drugs. I like it. I mean, obviously, Henry yeah, Thomas is the fabulous. man. But I wanted to bring up... And maybe this was earlier. I can't, I can't remember now because I, I lost part of my notes there. But when he wakes up in the middle of the night and he turns and sees the cat... Like, were you guys getting some um, getting vibes of like the monster from Midnight Mass and just like the eyes that was creeping me out? Yeah, I just like, had a flash when I was seeing that. I liked it. He's like, you creepy little bastard. Yeah. I know. And then there's just like rats everywhere. But let's talk about when they flash to the tub at the end and then there's only something small in there. Did you catch what that was? I thought it was just the drain. I thought it was nothing. I thought oh, it was, was that so a drain? It was completely yeah. clean. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there was nothing yeah. in it. Okay, because I was like, wait, what was that? So there was nothing in it at all. All right, yeah, because when Hot Mama comes in, um, she gives the, like, cats or apex predator speech and all this stuff. But I was just, again, I was just kind of waiting for him to die it, somehow. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. kind of sick how he smashed the entire apartment. Like so, going mad like that was cool. I didn't predict that. Um and for one second I forgot it was deemed a suicide. So like as soon as I saw the cat on the ledge, I'm like, oh damn, he's sprinting right towards that cat, isn't he? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So did you guys, I guess Kathleen, I already know your answer. Luke, did you guess at all that he was going to jump out or fall from his apartment because of the way he fell into the building for Roderick? Yes, that was, I wrote it down. Yeah. The second that he died in modern day, I wrote down like he's going to fall. Like I knew it right off right away. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kept thinking about like, uh, always sunny in Philadelphia with the kittens in the wall, the cats in the wall. But, um, (laughs) I, don't know much Edgar Allan Poe, and I purposely didn't read anything on it because I know he's adapting Fall of the House of Usher, the House of Usher, whatever, is an Edgar Allan Poe piece of work. And then we know that there are, he's using other pieces of Edgar Allan Poe work. So I didn't want to read anything, but if it was an accidental spoiler, but I mean, I do know like a Telltale Heart and everything like that. And Raul Coley's uh, Leo isn't hearing the heartbeat. And hallucinating the heartbeat and freaking out, but he's hearing the cat and he's, you know, he's looking for the cat in the wall and he's using Mjolnir, if I'm saying yeah. it correctly, which is hilarious. Hemsworth will give that me another awesome. one. Smashing yeah. <laughs> the walls, constantly hearing the cat, trying to find it. And then we obviously find out the cat was never there from the very moment he got it from Verna at the um, pet adoption place, whatever. Again, it, yeah, it's it's kind of straightforward it's a shame that we're losing our boy Leo, but there's a lot of cool moments. I loved again, Carla Gugino gave a nice monologue there when she's talking to Leo. All the hallucination stuff was really cool. The fact that Jules could hear him from the ground and then he came up and he walks in. He's like, Oh my gosh. And that whole thing was awesome. Mm -hmm. I do want to go back really quick because I don't, I, I like how you were saying, Luke, that you're just starting to like Jules and the, be ready for him to kind of be someone we flesh out and whatever a little bit more. So did Camille, our girl Camille liked him too. She wanted, uh, she wanted them to get engaged and become part Mm -hmm. of the family. So, yeah, I mean, I like how Jules was saying, Hey man, I know what I signed up for, but calm it down a little bit with drugs. Like you have to have some understanding of who these people are, but yeah, ridiculous with the fact that he's, going brisk smashing the walls now it's um supernatural anyway so we don't really care but he's getting scratched and he's getting his face and his eye scratched in real life but the thing doesn't exist but it's all good cool loved it yeah i uh i liked three better than four i think i gave my reasons but i mean i'm still really enjoying it i'm i'm hoping for some real twisty twisty stuff coming up soon I thought there were 10 episodes, so the fact that there are only four left is crazy. We're already halfway through. I, I mean, want to pose it. We're done, right? Because I want to pose a yeah, question we're done. right off the back of that comment. Um, I was thinking about this a lot because I knew I was going to ask this question at the end of the episode. At the end of the first episode, we asked the informant question, not asking it again. I feel like it's pretty, we're probably all on the same side that Kathleen's theory is probably yeah. right where I doubt it's any of the kids. Whatever. We don't need to guess that. What I want to ask you guys is, can you... Give your opinions about how, like, where we stand compared to Haunting of Hill House now, like, through the many, as many episodes as we are. So, and I'll, I'll break that down a little bit more because I'll give my opinion real quick. Haunting of Hill House had 10 episodes. This is, this is mm-hmm. going to be eight. So, the reason I'm bringing it up now is because we're halfway through the season and I'm kind of comparing it to the first half of Haunting Hill, a Haunting of Hill House. And what I'll say is, I thought the start of Usher was better, but now through halfway through the season, I was, so on team hill house like was one of the best shows ever by because of specifically because of the midway point episode is one of my favorite episodes of tv so mm-hmm. i definitely think hill house is above usher right now but i still think usher 
is either two or three. I have to give it a little bit more time to settle to decide of of the Flanagan verse of where I'm at right now. But so far, halfway in, I'm definitely team Hill House is still the best. Yeah, so I'm I'm the same. I will say I was gonna say the exact same thing. So episode one of Hill House was setting the scene, famously in, insane ending, so good of episode one. Episode two was the Cheryl episode, which I think everyone agrees is like the down the low point of the season, still not too low. And then it builds from there. Three, four, five are awesome. You know, you get Theo's episode and the twins and everything. It's fucking lit. So it was going to be impossible to beat Hill House anyway. It's still good. We'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. It's still good. But Hill House is probably my number one favorite season of television of all time ever for anything ever. So it's hard to beat. It would be more like, what do you think about Bly versus this or something? Because Bly's my number two. So I don't know. I don't know. We, we're going to rank them at the end. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see where uh-huh. Usher falls. Just wanted a pulse check. Yeah, I'm not one to say. I don't like to do like favorite season of television ever unless I know it's only a one season show. Like, I don't like to say like, dude, Game of Thrones season three is one of the best seasons of sh- TV I've ever seen just because I like to think of things as one one overall overall piece of work. But four is better. Anyway. Kathleen, I agree. What would you say? Season four is better than three anyway of Game of Thrones. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I know. I'm just, I was just giving an example. So, <laughs> Kathleen, Haunting of Hill House, I think I do agree. Besides besides Westworld season one, and I did. that's oh, the reason God, why I brought so up. Good. Because Westworld yeah. is multiple seasons, and you know that's why I was just giving a little side note there. But Hill House is just, I don't know, it's just special to me. I, I, I watch Hill House, and it's, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's the perfect blend of scary spooky and every other genre you can think of and i understand that he's kind of doing it similarly here and i still do think that his genre of horror isn't i mean you could pass this as not horror probably you could yeah. pass this as like a mystery show yeah 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 yeah. like i really enjoyed the the genre of horror that hill house was and it's the same problem that we had with bly manor where we went into bly manor saying this is going to be a horror show because we saw hill house and then by manor came out and it started off with some pretty cool aspects of horror and then it quickly changed into a totally different genre and then that's one of the reasons why me and luke especially and then also paul i know kathleen it's it's one of your favorites and i and i'm not saying it's not great but you know one of our things against it was that it changed genres and we were expecting a full kind of horror show but anyway, yes, right now I'm going with Hill House. And I honestly don't think it's going to beat Hill House just because if they go with this, every episode is a sibling dying and we're kind of guessing every episode. And it seems like I'm enjoying every episode. And this is probably going to be number two for me, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I don't think it can beat Hill House if it stays this route. It could definitely surprise me. I'm, I'm just going to end it by saying I think while it was really cool that in the beginning they showed us the timestamps of when everyone died. I think that was almost too big of a spoiler. I wish we would have been guessing which sibling was going to die. Cause in this episode, these episodes, like they were highlighting other people. Like I wasn't mm-hmm, sure. Right. Like, they weren't, it wasn't like a full Camille episode. There was, it was really highlighted on Leo, but Camille wise, like it was flip flopping. It was flip flopping. I was like, I don't know who's going to die here, but I did know because they literally told us the order in which they die. So yeah, I think that's an true. interesting thing that they, the choice that they made. The pilot agree, was banging Kathleen. though. It might be my favorite pilot of any of the Flanagan verse. I agree. So bad. Yeah. The ceiling is still on like, there's no ceiling yet. Yeah. Until we right, get to the right. end. 
But I will say, yes, like the repetitiveness is the thing that's kind of sticking out to me. And the fact that you guys have even mentioned it means that it's like the general audience is going to feel that same way. Um, yeah. But again, you know, like there's so much time to just do so many random twists and like the ending with Roderick and Augie has so much potential to like not writing it off as definitely can't beat Hill House, but the uphill battle probably got a little bit more uphill after these two episodes still can be the second best, though, for sure. Yeah. Last thing that I'll say about this Hill House versus Usher talk. When we talk about all Flanagan shows, we talk about how Midnight Mass is probably number three for us, maybe number two for some people. Midnight Club is usually the last, and then Bly is usually second or third. What are you saying? Midnight, like Mass. Third? Midnight Mass fucked the ending so badly. I hated that. Yeah. I'm on so podcast saying that. My, so. my, <laughs> yeah, my thought is uh, my thought is Hill House, Bly, Midnight Mass, Midnight Club. But anyway, mm-hmm. we admit, and it actually goes to my point even better, because what we say is that Midnight Mass is probably one of the worst, but the, the performance of the priest without saying anything else is one of yeah. the best performances of any Flanagan show. And there's many great performances in all Flanagan shows, but I will say that we're checking a lot of boxes on Usher for phenomenal performances. Yeah. yeah agreed. And we can start to say that that's a big deal depending on how this season goes and finishes because I mean, I'm I'm talking about it every episode, depending on which actor we want to bring up, saying they're phenomenal in this. And I'm not saying that they're not phenomenal in Hill House and this and that, but there's just so many good performances that it'll be talked about. Whether it's whether it's one, two, three, or four, it's gonna be it's gonna be those things need to be discussed. Yep. And my last question to you guys for now, don't have to get too deep because there's not too much to get into, but we brought it up in the first two episodes. What is the negative consequence to madeline so far if she also signed the deal with roderick um i mean that's kind of the point right they're like isn't and so because she doesn't really have anything she loves (laughs) so it's a little tough i mean she seems like she's like has a little bit of a relationship with Lenore, which kind of loops in like, why is Lenore calling? Like, there, mm-hmm. I think Lenore and Ma- Madeline could have some sort of connection there at the end and the twist, maybe. But other than that, no, it isn't. I mean, we're still, we've been questioning what, what if anything, Madeline even loves anyway. So nothing. She has, she's got no consequence. Okay. Yeah. Luke, go ahead first. I was just going to say, thematically, it really kind of makes sense that since Roderick is telling the story in real time, that episode eight is her death. But then it goes back to what's the mystery with her in the basement, which is a really fun mystery right. that is driving a lot of my curiosity for this show. It's that's like one of my number one things is what the hell's going on down there after these last couple episodes. And like whatever reveal that happens with Madeline's gonna like I like the idea of it being everyone dies but her. She did the deal on behalf of Roderick and Roderick loses everything, but I don't think that's what's gonna happen. I I just really want that to happen. It doesn't feel like we're going to take that route. She's going to have something awful happen to her, though. Like, I don't think she's getting out of this without, like, just, oh, Roderick and all the Oscars under him got penalized. She's going to have something terrible happen to her. We did bring up the fact that she may think she got away with it, and then Werner shows up in the end and kills her, and that's the one thing she didn't want to happen. This is a, I I want a tinfoil here, and it's, it's bullshit, but I just like to say it, and then we'll sign off. If I would say it's not as tinfoily if we could have like a time jump, but we do know that everything's been happening within two weeks. So we know that the scene with Lenore and Madeline where Madeline's making her answer all the questions and all that kind of stuff for the AI thing has been kind of recent. So I was thinking like maybe 
Madeline's dead and her um, consciousness is like in Lenore, kind of like how we're mm-hmm. joking with the Westworld thing. And then it's Lenore who's in the basement. Could be. Because she's alive and, and he hates his sister now for whatever reason. And then he's like keeping her in the basement because it's not Lenore that's in there because she has the disease maybe and it's actually Madeline. Okay. I hope that's not right because then I'll seem like I cheated. But that's just like one of those... Um, really tinfoily things that I wanted to bring out just so that'll be funny because I don't I don't I feel like she has to die and I don't know why Augie heard something in the basement. Yeah. There's something that down the, there. That's the craziest part is that he heard it. Yeah. Because yeah. that almost says that she's things. not a ghost yeah. dead yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's her. Right. Yeah. He says cool. it's her, but yeah. All right. Hit it. Uh, all right. Well that's the episode. We'll be back for Episodes five and six, and then we're already halfway there. So we'll we'll get answers and we'll be there. So best thing you could do for the pod is hit subscribe if you're listening on the Fall of the House of Usher specific feed, then go ahead and hit subscribe and then go over to our main feed, uh Benchtown TV. We have a million shows. Currently we're doing Survivor and Gen V. We just finished Wheel of Time. We just finished um One Piece and we've been a podcast for over three years. So we've been crushing shows. We have a million of them. So I'm sure there's something you'll like. So go with subscribe. You can follow us and reach out to us on any Instagram at Benchtown TV. We have a Discord link in the bio. Come chat with us on any show we've covered or anything at all. We would love to talk TV with you guys. Um, but yeah, let us know if you have any theories. We would love to talk Usher. Unfortunately, like this isn't such a live thing where we can discuss without having seen it because we're already four episodes done and it did the, the season hasn't even dropped yet. So we'll know all the answers, but we would love to um, hear your theories as you go through the episodes too. That sounds great. Or as you listen to our episodes, let us know what you think. Um, uh, but yeah, hit us up. We are being shown TV and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.